good to see everyone out. Seems a little lot tonight. I think there's a few people out sick, but um, <clears throat> this evening we are going to continue our study on Satan, and more importantly, Satan, knowing him and his devices, what he uses to get to us. Um, Jacob did a, la a good job last week talking about temptation, and the subject that I have tonight that we're going to discuss is learning to say no to ourselves. So learning to say no to ourselves. Um, you could take that probably a few different directions. Um, what I was wanting to do tonight was try to keep the same theme of, of Satan and what we've been discussing and kind of piggybacking off what we discussed last week in regards to Satan and temptation uh, and driving that discussion here uh, to get into more of the specifics of um, really temptation as a whole, uh, kind of again playing off of that, and and really again looking at all the different devices and kind of arrows that that Satan has as his quiver uh, for us. Um, so I really want to discuss the you know why do we need to say no to each other talk a little bit about how we can do that, what we need to be looking at and focusing on for that, and how that plays into the big picture of, of looking at Satan and what he's trying to accomplish and by what was saying no to us, what that in turn accomplishes. Um, so before we begin, I've got six questions that I want to throw out, um, about two pages of notes. So I don't know if that's information or not, but I do want participation, <laughs> so because uh, I think it probably would probably go through it pretty quickly. So uh, definitely be looking for comments, your thoughts, and your feedback, and what we can do to to just bring a lot of value to this discussion. Uh, to start off, when talking about learning to say no to ourselves, um, before we dive in, there, there's a few things I want to I want to say to kind of set the tone for the discussion. One is, is that sin is a result of poor choices, poor or bad choices. It is a result of selfish choices or selfish ambition. Temptation, as we discussed last week, requires us to make a choice as we are faced with it. And then saying no to ourselves is a requirement to being a child of God. So I think that's why we're discussing it, is because it is, it is a requirement uh, needed from us. So to get started, the first question that I have for you guys is, well, why do we say no to ourselves? So what is going on in the world with us, inside of us, that is making us, uh, or needing us to make a decision? to say no to ourselves or something else. And I'll, I'll say this. Um, if you want to turn to James 4, I forgot to mention, um, Jacob last week started in James. I'm going to do the same. And I think this will kind of, again, I don't want to do one of those questions where you have to read my mind and you just throw some, pick something out of the air. So James chapter 4 will kind of give us an idea there of where I'm going with this. So James chapter 4, verse 1. 
Um, says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And when you look at 1 Peter 2, verse 11, it talks about the passions of the flesh waging war against us. So we have this idea of, of these passions of the flesh, things that are pulling at us, tugging at us, and causing this issue, these issues. In Romans 1, verse 24, it talks about that God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And then in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, uh, verses 1 and 2, it talks about this idea of do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what, not conforming to the world, what is the world all about right now in our culture today? Right, what's that? It's ruled by Satan. Yes. It says the garden is ruled by Satan, which means that um, worldly goals such as more money, staying um, fortune, you know, all those things, that's what people look for. That's what we see. Yep. Yeah. Seems like everybody's in the past. Everybody <laughs> wants to be popular. Nobody yeah. wants to tell anybody that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. And you're wrong if you yeah. tell somebody what right. they're doing is wrong. So it, it is, we are in a, everybody's still in the high school. And it's a part of this not growing up. High school never ends, right? My perspective is that the world uh, overwhelms us with a lot of have things your way. Yeah. Have anything you want. Pursue anything you want. Whatever career you want. However many relationships you may want. There's nothing wrong. Do whatever you want. And so that's what's, in my opinion, the message of the world. Which is opposite. Yeah. Right. I think it's also there, there's the um, feeling out there that it's owed to you. <clears throat> it's owed to you to be able to have that car, to have that other relationship, to have whatever it is that it's due to you. It's owed to you. You should be able to have that because there's no reason why you shouldn't because it's owed to you. Yeah. A, I think that's pervasive. People look at it like this is this is something I should I should be able to get. Yeah, that's right. Anything else? All great comments. That's exactly what um, where I was going with that, and I thought as well. Um, I, I just put that the world today is all about me. It's all about now and immediate gratification. I want it. I want it now. I deserve it. Why not? I should be able to do whatever I want, please myself. That's exactly the mindset. So how do we... How do we battle against that? Well, we're told to, to not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of their minds. So we're talking about a way that is going to um, make us think differently, behave differently, have different attitudes, 
um, to where we can, we can get to that point of, of being able to say no to all of these things. So we have this idea in James and in 1 Peter about, and we've talked about this before, about this flesh versus spirit. Things going on in the flesh that are waging war within us with the spirit. So why, I asked this before, why must we say no? Well, we need to understand what our desires are and where they lead. What are the consequences to doing that? And I think that would help us understand why we need to say no. So where um, Romans 6, I'll look at this real quick. Romans 6 verses 9 through 14 It says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So that you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. So what I want to pinpoint on was in verse twelve it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. So again, we have this idea of these desires, these passions that are waging war within us, that are pulling at us, and here we have a warning of not not to obey those. So we need to understand what those desires and those passions are. So what what are those passions? Where could we look to to get a better idea of where, what those are and what those look like? Probably look at a few places, but there's one place I'm thinking. Any passages come to mind right away? Yeah. It's all vanity. Yeah. So a picture of someone who was was able to chase after those passions, had had all the resources given to him to be able to do that, um, gave himself everything that his heart desired, and at the end he realized it was meant nothing. It was nothing foolish. The passage I think of is first John. Okay. Passage. Anything else? Anyone else can think of anything? She wins. Galatians 5. All right. So Galatians 5, verses, uh, starting in verse 16. 
here we get a, a full list, a real, a real clear picture of what these passions are, and these desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a pretty big list. What sticks out to you about that list? To me, the things on the list range from things that are publicly disfavored to things that are within yourself and nobody knows. To the point where you, you know, you're sexually immoral or you're dealing with idolatry or sorcery, but then at the same time, it's fits of anger or envy mm -hmm. or things like that, mm -hmm. totally within yourself. It's this broad range of things, outward and inward, mm -hmm. that you have to control. Right. Yeah, good, good comment. So things that could be uh, hidden in secret, could be things that are public, things that are inward that we deal with personally, things that could be outward. Um, anything else? The other thing that stands out is the phrase right at the end, and things like these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought the same thing. So when it says, um, and things like these, you know, there's so many. They could just make a list and just keep going and going that they just, that they stop it there. And, and what I get from that is, is that the passions are just so much. I mean, it's almost innumerable. Uh, they're, 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 they're so, they're common. They're just, they're flooded. There's just so many things out there that can get us. And that can tug at us, and again create create this uh, this war, fuel this war within us. But if we look on the flip side of that, so the, the the desires of the flesh we talked about, you know, why we need to say no. What, what do those look like? It ends by saying that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we can see what path that leads to if we do the, do these things and don't have control over them. On the flip side, we need to know, well, what, what if we don't? So, continuing on in Galatians, we see the other side of that picture. In Galatians, um, uh, picking up verse 23 through 26, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, so it has, has a list of things there that are of the Spirit, opposite of the flesh. Verse 26 says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So again, another picture there of, of a warning of what, what we need to be doing. So these things listed in Galatians of the desires of the flesh are, are pulling against the Spirit. So I think what we have to understand is, is that this is an ongoing battle. It's continual. And we're, we're at war. We're at war with our flesh. And as we talk about these different desires of the flesh, and we continue that theme of Satan and his devices, that's exactly what all of these are. Satan's devices, and probably I would say his biggest one, is preying on fleshly desires through temptation. So again, we talked about temptation last week, and that idea of temptation and what that is. And, and, and we can look at how that affects us and how Satan is using temptation. And he's, he's preying on us through those fleshly, those fleshly desires, those passions of the body. So what are some other things that we can have to help us with this? We see what we, sh- what we should be doing through the Spirit. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 5 through 8... Uh, we, we know this passage very well, too. It says, Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and brotherly, brotherly affection with love. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, we, we have these list of qualities that we need to be having, we need to be working on, we need to be attaining and improving in to help better equip us to say no and against these passions. Any thoughts so far or questions? stronger with each other and we make each other stronger so we should be helping each other encouraging for sure anything else well as we look at the end of that it's a good transition um, it says again looking at second Peter 3 it says if these qualities that you are your are yours and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus uh, knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the, what I want to read, my next question, I guess, leading through that is, is looking at when we say no and we, we, we don't say no to ourselves. We've talked about going down that path which will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
My question is, is we, we are held accountable for the decisions that we make and the actions that we make or do. So what are the consequences of saying no? So we've looked at what we are to say no to, and, and we've, already, we've already discussed one point of where that ends, but w what are some consequences specifically that would help us understand why we need to say no and could motivate us to say no? Correct. Yep. Nothing here on earth is worth it to give up heaven, the, the, the reward of heaven. In Second Peter, um, listen talks about things we should be adding and uh, that we will not be faithful to true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter one. Right after that, he says in verse um, ten and eleven. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain. About his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you'll never stumble. For in its way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. So, one of the positive consequences of saying no to ourselves is, as Mike has said, eternal life. Right. The ultimate reward eternal life. Do you have some, Jay? Uh, when you, Michael, a few weeks ago, preached on uh, David, Absalom, I still think of that lesson that he preached because I felt so sorry for David. But you look at the life and the mistakes that he made, uh, one motivation for me, when I look at all the characters of the Bible, is that we should learn from those mistakes. We should be mature. More mature. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's, we save ourselves a lot of stress, a lot of problems, a lot of heartache if, if, uh, if we don't follow up much. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. All of us here have made that choice. It's a choice every day. But uh, I just look at so I mean, everyone in the Bible, and us today, you know, we, we struggle with that. But if we looked ahead and just seen the consequences of sin, I think that's a great motivation yeah. to not sin. Yeah. And something you just said, we're about to touch on here in a minute, so I'm not going to repeat that. I'm going to save it for here a few minutes. Um, if you would look at Romans 1, um, Romans 1, 18 through 20 talks about some of the consequences of not saying no. It says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So we will see the wrath of God. Not something, I don't know about you, not something I want to be a part of. I want to see. Um, Romans chapter 2 Mm -hmm. Correct. 
Yeah, if we're, if we're um, yeah, I, I get that as, you know, if we are being unrighteous, we're being, we're living in a state of lawlessness, we are not uh, fulfilling God's will, and He is not getting glorified, and He, the truth is not being. Passage. Yeah, that was one I didn't have, but um, I wrote that down. It was a good one. Romans 2, um, we won't necessarily read it all, but it's, it, this is just a passage talking about God's righteous judgment and kind of a warning for us, again, uh, um, um, a, qu- a bad quality we can have in, in sort of what the world has as far as judging and judging others. Uh, 2 verse 1 says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So it's, it's a caution on how we judge and who we judge. Uh, because we, we too are guilty and can be guilty of the same things. Um, If you look at Matthew 25, Matthew 25, verse 31, Um, this gives us a closer look at who will be saved. 
and, and who will not be saved. It says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the fountains, fountain of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, and you gave Me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed Me. I was naked, and you clothed Me. I was sick, and you visited Me. I was in prison, and you came to Me. And then the righteous will answer Him, saying, Lord, did we... Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And did we... And when did we see, uh, see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say on those to his left, Depart from me, you, who, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and, you, stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see, see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison or did not minister to you? And then he'll answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you'll do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So we see this idea of those who help the least, help the needy, qualities that we should be having, not looking at me and what I should be doing or focusing on my desires or my passions or what is fulfilling to me, but worrying about those in need, putting others before myself. Again, looking at this selfish, uh, this idea of selfishness when it comes to temptation and to fulfilling desires of the flesh, we need to be servants. We need to be serving and helping others and helping those in need. By doing that, we do it to Christ, and then He will recognize us as His own, and we will be saved. Any thoughts or additions? Chapter 1 of Romans, 
Uh, over in verse 24 and 25, it talks about how they exchange the, that truth about God for a lie. Yeah. The lie is that it's not going to be a judgment. So yeah. then you go to where you were in Matthew 25, and clearly there will be yeah. consequences. Yeah. There will be a judgment. Day. And, we don't get that, in, that, that that has ramifications in this life. We, I think we're missing the big point of how we create the image of God. Exactly right. I, I meant to say earlier, and what you were saying as you were saying that, I was thinking of the idea that um, of tolerance. The world just wants you to tolerate it. You know, we, we should just learn to tolerate it. Or um, this is a whole other lesson we can go into, or they blanket that with love. They say, we, you know, love will, should take care of all that. This is why we do all this. When we sin, we our actions impact the image of God to the world. And so if we think about in Romans 2, uh, like 17 through 24-ish area, like God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. They were saying they were following God's law, but they were breaking his law. And so people were saying, well, who is this God, right? So for me, that is my life t tells people about who God is. And so, I mean, man, the Israel and Judah were condemned about that all over the prophets about living a life, saying they were God's people, but living in a way that was contrary. That was, I couldn't word any better. That was the, uh, the exact thought that I was thinking about um, to, that Wayne was touching on as well in regards to the unrighteous suppressing the truth. That, that's how we suppress the truth, is by living out contrary to God's Word and how we should be living, which is being that example and, and, and having uh, glorifying God in what we do. Anyone else have anything to add to that or to uh, contribute? Yes. All right. Yeah. Responsibility to do so.
we're also shown that thank you that God is worthy, that we love him more whenever we do resist temptation. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's something I try to think about when I'm facing the temptation. Who do I love him? So you hit on a good topic, a good transition for me, because we're talking about what you just mentioned is that if we um, resist Satan um, and how we show that, that God is worthy, when we uh, look at what happens if we say no to ourselves, we've been talking about the consequences if we don't and the reward if we do. So along with resisting Satan, what are we told? That if we resist Satan... What's going to happen? He will flee. So if we say no to ourselves and we're resisting these temptations from Satan, he will flee from us. So that, that could be encouraging. Not to say that he's going to, be, he's going to go away forever, but that will be another battle another day. He will resist. He will flee from us for a period of time. Uh, a time that when we can give ourselves more opportunity to draw closer to God and to continue working on these things to be stronger. So in transition to that, time's running out, I have a whole other page. Um, uh, w- when I'm looking at this and how do we say no to, we- to ourselves, um, we- we- we've seen w- what that looks like, what we're trying to say no to, what is some ways that, uh, what are some areas that we could be working on that we could obtain that is going to help us um, through the Spirit as it's, as it's waging war with the flesh? What is an attribute that, that you can think of that we, it's critical, we must have for us in order to say no, to be able to, to, be able to defeat these, um, these passions, these fleshly passions? Self-control. All right. So I, I kind of thought about Thanksgiving's right around the corner. What happens when every Thanksgiving we eat a ton of food, we're stuffed, and then yet we see that pie sitting right there? You know, can, do we tell ourselves, no, we don't need it, we're too full? You know, we, gotta have, we, we try to exercise some self-control through these holidays uh, in, in, other er- in certain areas. Um, but, but hit it right on the head, self-control. So if you look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, um, or I can just read it for you. Um, 2 Timothy 1 through 7 says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. In Proverbs 16, verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit better than those who takes a city. So having this idea of self-control, controlling his anger, uh, is considered better than the mighty, better than those who can take an entire city. Proverbs 25, verse 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So it just shows the importance of self-control. Big words of wisdom here. 
And then let's look at Titus 2. Titus 2, verses 1 through 7. I want to look at this real quick and, and see if we can pick something up. So it says, But as for you, teach what, account, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to preach what is good and to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be uh, may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So what, what did you see consistent through all that? We start going through in this passage different groups of people. We talk about the young men, the older men, the young women, the older women, what they should be teaching each other, what they should have first, and then what they should, what they should be teaching to the younger. Did y'all see an underlying theme there? Self-control. I think that's pretty important. When you see that, that word popping off the page every single time, there was a few things that were different for each age group, but self-control was in everyone. There was no one left out. Every person, every age, must have self-control. Or they must learn to have self-control. And as Ken mentioned earlier, we do that through the help of each other. We have to help each other and encourage each other to do that. We get that from each other. So self-control is a must-have. It's a quality we must have. So saying no is overcoming temptation because temptation leads to death. So what does Christ say about saying no to ourselves? Let's look at the ultimate teacher and what he teaches us to do and what, that, what, what does saying no look like according to him. How is that pictured? In Luke 9 verse 23 if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. To deny himself, to deny our passions, our desires, our needs, and to submit to Christ. Luke nine fifty seven through 58 says to follow Christ. Christ has nowhere to lay his head. So what does that look like to follow him? We say no to those passions, but we also have to understand that Christ had nowhere to lay his head. Uh, Luke nine fifty nine and 60, just continuing on down, uh, Christ says to leave the dead, to bury their dead, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. It's urgent. It's now. We have to be doing that now. And then, and then again, continuing on in Luke 9, uh, verse 61 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We don't need to be worrying about what we want to do or what we think we need to be doing. We, we, we need to be fully working in the kingdom for God. And then to motivate us, what are the benefits of saying no to ourselves and overcoming temptation? We've already discussed the ultimate crown of heaven, that God will save those who are 
um, helping those in need who are, who are not being selfish but serving. 1 Peter 1, 5 through 7 says that we will have praise, glory, honor, and salvation. James 1, verses 2 through 4, will have steadfastness, which leads to perfect and complete, which will lead us to perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, down in verse, uh, same chapter, James 1, verse 12, that we will be blessed and receive the crown of life. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, it discusses us in the idea of being made strong in Christ. I would much rather have those qualities and have that than to have the other side of that, which is destruction, and to have God's wrath. So I think when we look at why do we say no to, no to ourselves, we understand what we're saying no to, why we are saying no, what that leads to, so motivate us not to do that, and then what, what does that picture look like in, in regards to us saying no? You know, Christ tells us that we need to deny, deny ourselves, deny those passions. We need to submit to Him. We need to be doing His work. And it's, we must be doing it now and all the time. Uh, a quote that I have here um, from some of the material that we had had, in conclusion, it says, Denying oneself is not a matter of giving up something. It is decisively saying no to oneself, to one's hopes, plans, ambitions, to one's likes and dislikes, and to one's nearest and dearest for the sake of Christ. So in a generation which is enamored with self, we talked about the world today, our culture today, subduing and controlling ourselves is an even greater challenge. But if we do not control self, we will lose the battle with Satan. thought that was pretty, pretty good, pretty clear, clear picture. Anything else, any final comments? Yeah, that's a great comment. That's another section I could have had on here was uh, another way to battle against that was by surrounding yourself with the right kind of people and those who will encourage you and those who are, are stronger maybe than you in, in the faith and these other areas that can help you uh, in that. Absolutely. That's a great comment. Anything else? All right. Thanks, everybody.